With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Abundant Solutions Hour. Our goal is to help others be more, do more, have more. I'm your host, Gregory Turner. And I'm your co-host, Brian J. Henderson. Brian, how was your day today? Woo-wee! Let's just say, I'm glad I got another one tomorrow. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know what? I think tonight's topic is something that a lot of parents are dreading right now. So it's American dream, but it's a very, very frightening thing right now for uh, the parents. They have to make these decisions, and it's something that they've been teaching their children all along from day one to now. They've been reading to them when they were still in their pampers or diapers or whatever you want to call them. And now they're getting to this point where they're seniors in high school, and now they're going off to college. Parents Mm -hmm. are just scared to death you know what really can't blame them yeah yeah you know in light of the recent events i mean i can think about the past two weeks and the things that have gone on even last year that have gone on on college campuses and you know that's tonight's topic we're talking about are you ready for your kids to go to college and it's in regards to these college shootings that have been going on what's going on and how do we stop it? We want you all to call in and chime in with what you think uh, about these college shootings and the things that are going on on these college campuses with all the abductions and, you know, the numerous amount of rapes that go on on college campuses that haven't made the national news. You know, chime in. Tell us what you think about these and what do we do to stop them? You know, because the one thing that I thought about last week was, here it is, another incident where a young man is on medication, he's in college, he's doing okay, then he gets off of his medication, and then you have a tragedy like what happened at Northern Illinois University. That's a very frightening thing for any parent to receive that phone call or Brian, the parents that were on their lunch break that probably went in the the break room and turn their televisions on, and there it was on the news, shooting at this college. Right. Now, this parent know that their children are there. They can't make contact with them. That has to be the most lonely, I mean, that has to be the craziest time in a person's life to have to go through that and say, okay, I can't reach them on the cell phone. No one at the school will tell me anything and I'm all the way across the country. I can't get to my child. Right, right. You know, and I think the anguish and the just the agony of having to wait to hear that voice and hope to hear that voice, you know, puts a lot of parents on edge when it comes to sending their children off to school. I know when I uh, originally came to FAMU back in 1990, ooh, 18 years ago, I was just uh, 17 years old when I came off to college, and my mother was terrified. You know, I wasn't even old enough to vote, and here I'm being sent 500 miles away, which, you know, eight-hour drive, give or take, you know, a couple hours, but I'm eight hours away. You know, my mom, and then I'm the youngest, and so naturally my mother was just like, oh, my God, my baby is all the way on the other side of the country, you know, and I'm only just, you know, eight hours away. But imagine those families that, you know, children that are at Northern, you know, Northern Illinois University and they live in California or in South Florida. You know, just imagine what they went through to try to contact their children yes. and to have to watch it on the news. Mm. That's That's got to be a 
a frightening thing. But let's look at how all of these things are happening. Let's look at the beginning and what the police officers and what the news media, what the things that they're saying about the past incidents. It's always either this person was upset at someone or they were taking medication. Right, right. Do, do you think we're just overlooking the red flags? You know, it, it's really hard to say because you want to hope that folks that are suffering from mental illness can be helped. You know, and you ha- and we and there are some definite success stories where those who you know suffer from mental illness are on medication and they live normal, comfortable lives. But then you have some that um, that are on medication and they decide not to take it. You know, they make that choice, I'm not going to take it, and whatever happens, happens, you know. Or you have those that are undiagnosed, you know, that everybody knows, well, man, something is wrong with this person. They're just not in their right mind, but yet they haven't been helped, you know. So you have to remember that parents are sending their children off to schools, and there's literally thousands of people. I mean, some of these schools are like small cities. When I think of like a University of Florida, there's 30,000 students there. Florida State University, 30. You know, there are literally thousands of students. You know, so what do you do when you're sending your child on only to another city, but also around thousands of other, you know, to put it frankly, kids? I don't know. I at this point, I, I you know, I, I'm I'm watching the news and I'm seeing what's going on, and you have your heart just goes out to the parents, especially the parent of the shooter that's doing these things. A lot of people may say, well, how can you say your heart go out to these people? These people are are animals. They've done it. That's still someone's child. That's someone's child that's hurting. That's going through something. Something is wrong. Do not shoot people like that and not have a problem. Something is definitely wrong. And I I really do believe red flags are there. Mm -hmm. I think if we, we, we tend to think that if I react on this red flag, am I overreacting? Right. Will will, Will I do something that will cause me to lose my job if I say something about this particular kid? And you don't really want to do or say anything to hurt anyone, but your silence sometimes is deadly, like this situation. Right, right. You know, and again, we live in such a litigious, litigious society that everybody wants to sue everybody over the slightest thing. I've heard people say it time and time again. You do something, I'm, I'm just going to sue you. Or you said you, you hit my child or you did this, I'm going to sue you. You know, and so so everybody's just so afraid of being sued that they don't go out and do the things that are necessary. And, you know, it just takes one bad, you know, one error in judgment and somebody's filing a lawsuit. You know, so people tend to be more careful and cautious to not, you know, become victims of, you know, frivolous lawsuits that they, oh, I'm leaving that alone. That's your business. I'm not touching it. And so you have those situations where somebody may do something crazy or say something out of the way, and people say, well, I'm not getting in it, or I'm staying out of that. And then when this occurs, they say, well, you know, I I saw the warning signs, and, you know, I was just trying to mind my own business. You know, so you get caught up in that, you know, I'm afraid to do something because, you know, I might get sued. Like, for instance, I can remember there was this guy who, had helped this lady when she was having a heart attack or something like that, and he was trying to help her to safety, and she broke her ankle in the process of, you know, why, you know, he's trying to get her out of the, you know, middle. I think she had a heart attack in the road or something like that, and he's trying to get her out of the road, and she broke her ankle. She sued him, <laughs> you know, and I'm yeah, thinking, you, are you, you kidding me? You have to get their permission. But she was having a heart attack. He was trying to save her life. I understand. I understand. 
you know, like you said, we, we are in a time where lawsuits fly in and out all the time. But I wanna I wanna ask you this. Do you think we're living in a hate filled society right now where everybody is against everybody? You know, I don't think so. I, I think we live in a society that has, you know, portions of love, hate, of all the emotions. But the one that people feed off the most is the one that you'll see most prevalent. People tend to feed off of negative images, negative things. You know, they, they tend to they tend to eat that more than they would something, you know, nice and pristine and calm. And you can see it because when you look at our media and how our media portrays things, you know, you see it in our video games. You know, like my son wanted a video game. Um, what was it? Uh, Grand Theft Auto. I'm like, no way, you can't have that. You know, or if it's a game that 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 says it's mature, I want to play it first to make sure that there's nothing in there that, you know, that I think is objectionable. You know, and and if there is, he and I talk about it. Now this game, you know, you can't play this. You know, and so you have to be really careful on what you let, you know, people, or on what they consume, especially when they, when we're talking about children. You know, because children, they will consume anything that's put in front of them. Yes. And, you know, it says you are what you eat. Well, typically, and I'm not, and I don't know the history of the young man who was involved in the uh, Northern Illinois killings, but there had to be something in his life or in his lifestyle that caused him to do this. Yes. Whether it was what he liked to watch, whether, you know, I mean, from my understanding, he came in with pistols and shotguns, and, you know, he just started randomly blowing people's heads off, you know. So there was something he saw, because how would he know to go in the way he went in, with a trench coat, you know, black trench coat to hide the gun? You know, how would he know what gun would be most effective? Did his homework. Did his yes. homework. Did his homework. And, I, you know, I want to and I want to say this. I applaud the university uh, for acting swiftly as it did. I don't think people give these colleges enough credit for the way that they respond once things happen. All right. of us can be that Monday morning quarterback, or we can all sit back and say, well, the university didn't do this. Or they didn't. Listen, the university is going to do whatever it can to protect these kids. In an incident like that, it's almost impossible to stop something like that. Right, right. Now, we don't hear about the times that the universities are, are stopping these kids from doing it. We don't hear about that. But yet we want to destroy the president of that university or destroy the the faculty because something like this happened, and there's absolutely no way to stop something like this. If If you want to stop something like this, you're going to violate people's constitutional rights. And that's something that uh, a lot of us aren't willing to give up. Now, we may complain, but to to get this type of security that you want, you're going to have to give up something to get it. And that's something, again, that's something that we don't want to do. We don't want to do that. You know, Greg, I was watching – I'm sorry, go ahead. No, no. I was going to say, but we have – something has to be done. But you know what? This – doesn't happen uh, as often as when it happens, it blows up. What about all the days that nothing happened around this, this 50 states? Mm-hmm. Not just this country, other countries as well. How often does something like this happen? Right. I know one time is too many, but still, there's a lot of dreams being fulfilled at these universities. And then you also have, Brian, you have a lot of parents that are, that are into the prepaid and this is where they want they want to send their child. But I can right, tell you, Brian, that there's no happens. two yeah, there's no two campuses as secure right now as Virginia Tech and the one in northern Illinois. Right, right. You know, one of the things I um I was watching on the news where they talked about the they that 
there was a lawmaker that wanted funding for his particular university in his state, and he wanted them to be able to put metal detectors and cameras in all of the buildings on his campus. And while it wouldn't have been an impossible thing to do, can you just imagine having to have someone posted at every single door on every in every building on a campus of 30,000 students? That would be literally ridiculously overkill. What, 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 what is, is that what they call martial law? I mean, pretty much. I mean, think about it. You'd, that means you'd have to have security at every single door. Now, one of the things that they could and you know, and again, will that prevent something like this happening? No. From happening? No. Because if somebody wants to get in there, they'll find a way to get whatever they need to get in there in there. You know, if they're putting it through a window or if they're just going, you know, high old silver gung ho right through the metal detector. You know, because again, the metal detector is only going to detect the metal. It's not going to stop the person. You're still going to need somebody to stop him. Yes. And Brian, hundreds of millions of dollars are being spent to try to avoid situations like this. Right. So we have to be very careful when we attack the police officers, when we attack the universities, when we attack, you know, again, the schools in general. We have to be very careful. Now, the question we need to ask is, the ones that are doing the attacking, what are you doing for help to help with the security? What are we doing? Can we all get involved to help? Do we have a support group that will walk the young ladies to uh, to their cars at night when they're, they're coming out of the dorms or they're going to their classes late at night and things happen, they get raped or whatever happens? You know, Greg, I was just going to comment about that. There used to be, when I when I was in school, there used to be teams of students, and they'd wear, you know, certain, you know, colors. I think they are, they always wore, like, orange shirts on FAMU's campus. And they used to walk the young ladies to and fro, you know, along campus. If you needed, if you needed to go somewhere, you'd call, and they'd have a group of maybe two or three guys that would come and walk with you. You know, and I remember when they did that because they they did that. Um, I think it was after a series of you know attempted rapes or attempted abductions or something like that. Mm-hmm. And I could always remember those guys walking, and they'd be happy to come and pick up a group of ladies and walk them to their class, or walk them to the the mess hall, or walk them to the set. You know, and stay with them the whole time. You know, and I think that's something that we that we probably need to get back to doing. But even if we did that, you know, would that prevent someone from doing something like this? No, it 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 it, it would help. Oh, absolutely, it would help. It may prevent a lot of things. It may stop a lot of crimes from being committed. But to say that it will stop it, no. We just don't know. Brian, I think we have a caller on the line. Yes. Let's see. We have a caller. Caller, are you there? Hello? Hello. Good evening. How are you? I'm doing great. How are you? I am great. (laughs) I was quite excited when I saw the topic about, are my children ready for college? I have a 13-year-old who's just entering middle school, and it finally just dawned on me that, wow, I actually have to prepare for college. Oh, yes. (laughs) I mean, she's already had conversations with, we've both discussed whether she wants to stay here or go abroad. And my, I have a question, and I actually have a comment also. My question is, if there's anyone who could assist, how do you deal with, the one child, the oldest child that's already ready to say, I'm ready to go away from school. And uh, my second comment is, what are some, well, it's also a, a question and a comment. Is there such thing as being too prepared too soon for college, too early for college? 
Okay. Um, say the first question again because I have the answer for the second one. The first question is how do you deal with the situation when a child says, well, the first child or the oldest child or whatever, saying that they're ready to go off from school and they don't want to come back to the city where they came from or they're just ready to go? <laughs> well, you know, you have to remember these are these are children that are soon to be adults that are having to make adult decisions. Mm-hmm. So you you almost have to give them some kind of leeway on what they want to do because you have to let them make their life choice. You know, as parents, we have to give them the guidance. We can't exactly. just say, well, this is what you're going to do because naturally children rebel. Of course. You know, and so you have to be, you know, it's a fine line that you walk. You know, so my suggestion would be to, you know, let them make the choice for themselves, but give them every opportunity give and show them all the options so that they mm-hmm. understand what they're doing and they make an informed choice. Well, Brian, right. let, me, let me say this to the caller. Now, you, you're about to send your daughter off to college. Uh, is she going to be in-state or out-of-state? Well, she's not going to go to college for a little. We've got a few years before that, but we're already starting the discussion. Right. But now with but, all of the, the events that are happening right now in the news, mm-hmm. people getting shot up at the schools, these things are happening. Will that, will, since what you're seeing on television now, will that stop you or will that make you change your decision as far as her being able to go away and live somewhere three, four states away uh, and, and you make a decision to make her stay home and go to school right up under you for it that you feel as a parent is better protection? Well, when it comes to that, I I, I totally agree with uh, Brian in regards of making all the options open for her. I still want to give her all the open options, but I'm kind of leaning towards different states and cities that I know that there are other relatives there to where she doesn't have to necessarily be all by herself in that particular city, that there's some sort of family support that she'll always have because that was given to me when I made the decision to go to college or even though I chose to stay in state, I want my daughter to have the same choices, if not more choices, than what I had. Right, right. Okay. I mean, I I stay prayerful. Whatever God's will is for her to whatever school she attends. But, of course, I'm going to pray prayer protection consistently, but... I can't limit her because of fear. Right. That's my thing. I can't limit her outlook or her destiny or her plan that God has for her just because I'm scared. Well, maybe if I send her to this college, something might happen. Or if I send her here or if I send her to the East Coast or the West Coast, this will happen. I can't thrive on that fear because then fear puts limits on us. Right, right. You know, I always say that fear is false evidence appearing real. Exactly. And so you can't you can't just you can't live in fear because you might as well not live. And you know, exactly. I think the I think the hardest thing is, and I think if a parent is listening tonight that lost their child, they won't understand that. Right. They won't accept what you just said. Well, I've kind of had a situation recently where I lost my brother to a senseless murder. So I kind of have the overprotective fear, but I'm praying for the control of that fear because the senseless crime actually didn't happen. It was one of those who knew sort of situations. He got shot and killed in front of a funeral home. So it's like, who knew who could have expected something like that to happen? Right, right. But there's a part of me that still has that underlining fear, okay, I need to know where my kids are at all time. But that's a parent. That's going to be a parent anyway. But then there's the other side of me that's like, okay, God, you're in control of this. There's a reason. There's a purpose behind everything. And sometimes that overprotective parent still does kick in because it's some events I may not invite, let her go to or there's some maybe some outings that she hasn't gone to because you have that parent intuition 
maybe that's not a good idea for them to go. But as I stated again, that's when you stay prayerful and you look not only to the facts about the particular college, but you pray and your children get involved with the prayer and God leads you and directs you to the choice of where he desires for you to go. Yes. You know, and I want to ask this question to the both of you. Do you think our youth now, do you think they're just angry? It just seems like everybody's just angry. Oh. And and, and they will strike at any moment they'll do that. It's it's like a it's like a, a bomb waiting to explode. Well, with me, I deal with young people on a daily basis. I can definitely say yes that it's almost like a ticking time bomb. Any minute, just tick, 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 boom. Yes, <laughs> but I, I've tried to ask a few of them what is causing you to be so angry. Right. And the one answer that I've heard consistently is no one listens to me. Hmm. They feel like their voice is not really being heard. And I can say with me, that has kind of put me in a mental... It's actually changed my parenting style towards my children. With me working with children on a consistent basis, it kind of keeps you in check on how you treat your own children. Right, right. So it puts me to the point now to where I'm like, okay, what is it that you feel? What is it that you think? Before I make a decision, oh, well, it's going to be this way. Or do you think it's just that we're just a selfish... uh, Our society has become so selfish that... We can't take the other person into consideration in anything. We have the road rages on the college campuses. We have the the drinking. We have it's a mixture of everything, and it's all. Just, it just seems like everything is just going haywire. Mm-hmm. And you know I what? Think, you know what I think, Rick. I think it's just the fact that you have so many people, so many you know, kids, teenagers, young adults that are all together, and they finally have had the, you know, the chains broken on their lifestyles. You know, where when they were young, they were always being told what to do, where to go, where, what to wear, you know, how to wear it, what to eat, when to eat, how to eat, why they should eat, why they shouldn't eat. You know what I mean? There were uh-huh. so many rules in place, and then once they've gotten off to college, you know, most college campuses are very, very liberal. So Very. they pretty much can do whatever they want to do. If you want to stand on your head in the middle of the campus, you can do it, you know. Yeah. And so when they when they get all that freedom, it's like, wow. I Overwhelming almost to the point. <laughs> you know. So it's like when they get home, they become a changed person. Mm-hmm. You know. But I want, I want to get to your second question, you, you know, your question about can you – is there too much preparation for college, and can you prepare too much? I don't think so. I think that, you know, if you if you properly prepare for everything, uh-huh. you still might see something that you aren't prepared for. So you might as well get prepared. Right. You know, don't limit your preparation because, you know, if let's say you decide, well, I'm going to prepare for two things, even though I know I could have prepared for six things, and then you get ten things in your, in that – that you have to deal with, you've only prepared for two. So now you got eight that you have to, you know, basically make up. Well, that's the reason why I ask that is, like I stated, my oldest daughter is 13, and I've been showing her college brochures. We've been looking at college websites, mm-hmm. especially with this uh, new movie that's coming out, The College Road Trip. And she's excited about the movie coming out. And she's like, well, can we go on a college road trip? And I was like, well, you know, I went on my first college road trip my freshman year of high school. And she's like, well, because I'm 13, am I too young to go on a college road trip? I'm like, actually, no, you're not. And But there are some people that are like, are you really trying to push her out that fast? with you talking college preparation to her at the age of 13, but I'm not excluding my 7- and 8-year-old from it either. 
Right, is, you know, what, because you want to you want to put them in the mindset of, you know, furthering their education without actually saying, well, this is where you're gonna go. You know, give them options. Exactly. So, Carla, what 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 is your daughter saying right now about the college life? What is she saying? Well, she's now based on her conversations because, like I said, we're very open when it comes to conversation. She's like. Well, based on what her friend said, college is just party, party, party. But she already knows with her mom and her dad being college educated that it's more than party, party, party. And I've had the chance to share with her some of the instances of some of the mistakes that I made while I was in school. So she knows that there's a difference between going to school than, or actually, quote, unquote, living the college life, as some people like to call it. She knows the difference between the two, the actually going to school for your education and pursuing your education for a degree. She has an idea of a couple of majors that she wants, but she hasn't actually narrowed it down yet, so that's kind of helped in regards of showing her our options of where she can go. Awesome. I, when I said what is she thinking about the college life now, now what is she thinking about the shootings on the college campuses now? We talked about that, and I asked her how she felt about that, and she's like, well, they're shooting everywhere. They're shooting in schools. They're shooting in regular school, grade school. They're shooting in high schools. She's like, that's just a thing that happens. She hasn't really kind of – it hasn't put her in a fear of going to college, but she's like, it just happens. I think, now she's, yeah, I, I really do believe that the kids – they're really not afraid. I think it's more so with the it's parents. It's more the parents, exactly. Yeah, it's, more, it's more so with the parents. I, I guess when you're at a young age, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of things you're not, you know, you should be afraid and, of. You should worry like you don't. And then I think this younger society is desensitized to violence. That's just my personal opinion. Well, with, I, mean, it, I mean, if you turn your television on, that's what you're going to see. Right, with and then you've got every video game under the sun that Grand Theft Auto and all those and Halo is one of the number one longest playing video games. <laughs> I mean, those are violent games. I but mean, you know let's. What? I I I really do. I mean, when when you look at the people that are committing these crimes and that are commi- committing these horrible, horrible um, things to the university and to parents. By going in and shooting these people, if you look at these people's history, if you look at their track record, it seems that these people have been in trouble before, and it was just swept up under the table in an effort to keep their careers intact. But now it's gotten to the point where you you, you sweep it under the rug so much until something like this happens. Now, I'm not saying that that's the case with this last person that did what he did, this student, this young man, I'm not saying that. And, again, my heart goes out to his parents and to all of the parents. Uh But at some point, responsibility, you're going to have to be responsible for the things that happens before something like this get out of hand. But then that goes back to having a relationship with your children to where you can sit and talk and discuss their feelings and their Opinions in this situation. Someone told me, well, do you think that she's too young to know about a situation like that? But it's on the news. So either discuss it and talk it out so that they have a full understanding or don't discuss it and they assume anything or hear things from their friends or whatever and get the wrong impression. Right. You know, it's funny you said that. Um, On Saturday... I spoke to a a youth group about the importance of abstinence education. Uh And there was a young girl there. She was about seven years old. And one of the the group leaders, she had asked, you know, told the little girl, come here, baby, you don't need to hear about this. And I said, no, no, no. I said, she is exactly the person that needs to hear about this. Uh And I began to talk about, you know, and I said, let me ask you all a question. I said, all of you are about school age, you know, high school, middle school. I said, how mm-hmm. many of you watch the Disney Channel? You know, because we I was going to discuss the issue of, you know, setting boundaries. Mm-hmm. And I said, how many of you watch Disney Channel? 
And, you know, so everybody raised their hand that watched it, and I said, I watch it too. I said, I watch it for two reasons. I watch it because I want to know what my kids are watching, mm-hmm. you know. I said, and the other reason, sometimes the shows are funny, you know. So, hey, I watch it. <laughs> and I said, but how many of you have seen somebody, you know, teenagers kiss on Disney Channel? And everybody and, raised their hand. And everybody raised their hand, even, even the, uh, the little girl who was seven. She raised her hand. I said, how many of you seen cartoons kiss on Disney Channel? They all raised their hand. I said, how many of you seen it on more than one show, more than one time? And they all raised their hand. And I asked the lady, I said, you told me to tell the little girl to leave. <laughs> you know, it seems that she knows pretty much a lot about what we're talking about, you know. And I mm-hmm. said, what they're trying to do is they're trying to desensitize you to seeing this type of behavior. And I say, and it's a marketing strategy. When you see this, you don't have a problem with it. You don't see a problem with it. So you're more apt to buying into the rest of this, the marketing than the shows that they have. Exactly. I totally agree. You know, and so by the same token, if we don't teach our children the proper way to do things, the proper way to see things, and the proper way to act in situations, they're going to learn from someone else. And quite possibly the media, which is the tool of choice for teaching, you know, people how to do anything. You know, you talked a little bit about uh, video games. Mm -hmm. And that's the one thing, like my children, they, you know, I I have the Xbox and they play Halo and the other games. But they understand the difference between video games, fantasy violence, and real violence. Have you heard of And I teach them that. Yes, there's this new video game out, and I hadn't heard about it until my nephew showed it to me, and it's called Bully. (laughs) It's an older game. I know what you're talking about. (laughs) Right, and I had never seen that game before until my nephew showed it to me, and my nephew's like 9, 10 years old. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, well, what is this game about? And he usually gets, you know, all the, like, Mortal Kombat, he gets all these other type of games. So he grabbed this one. He's like, well, Aunt Janet, I want you to buy this one. And I'm like, what is this one about? He's like, I'm a bully, and I'm beating up all the kids. Mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> so I'm looking at this game, and I didn't even know that this game even existed. I never knew that a game like this existed. And I'm, and I'm asking him all these different questions. I'm like, so what does the bully do? He's like, he beats up kids. I'm like, wow. Yeah, I and, mean, and, and you know what? And sadly, these games aren't really designed for children, but children buy them. Are buying them. Like, right. he's 9, 10 years old, and he's like, I really want to get this game. Please, please, please. I'm like, Like Grand no. Theft Auto, that game isn't designed for, it's basically, it's 17 and up, mature. Exactly. Now, but, what, about, what, about, what about the kids that never ever showed any signs of being in any type of trouble, never given the parent any trouble, but he's going through something, and he can hide it pretty good. Kids can hide things from people. Oh, most definitely. And and now, you know, and and when you are called to the school, now a lot of times people say, well, there's no way these kids can get guns without That's not true. Okay. These kids have contacts that you would not believe. Exactly. Anything these kids want, they can get it on the street. Exactly. They don't have to go in a pawn shop. And mm-hmm. and if a if a kid is suffering through something, and he know that it's gonna hurt his parents, and and he know that, you know what, that my parents talk to me all the time, and they were the best parents. But I can't handle this situation. So the best way that I'm gonna handle it is I'm gonna go in and I'm gonna be I'm gonna get even with this person or these people. And now they kill up a whole lot of people. Now there's no closure for that parent because they didn't have a clue what was going on. Right. How do you you deal with something like that? It's tough. It's very tough. You know, and one of the things that came to my mind is having those conversations with your children at an early age Uh really, really helps in those type of situations. And, and and I'm not saying it's going to be the, you know, all-in-one answer to you, to the question, but I know from personal experience is that when you talk to your children 
you know, and you have what, see, with my kids, I do what I consider the daily download, and I talk to them every day. You know, every day they come and they tell me. I don't Now I don't even have to ask them. They'll come and they'll say, I'm talking to Daddy first. Let me talk to him first, you know. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they basically tell me what they did during the day, what happened, how that happened, and who said what, who did what. And sometimes they'll even come and tell on themselves when they did something wrong. Mm-hmm. Where I don't even have to find out. It's like, well, Daddy, you know, I didn't have a good day today, and I did this, and I said that, and, you know, I'm going to get a demerit, and, you know. And it's like having those kind of conversations with your kids are so important. And then when they're when they are in trouble, don't be so quick to just unleash the corporal punishment on them. You know, I, talk to them. You know, talk to them. If, if they've done something that, that, you know, that warrants that, talk to them anyway. You know, okay, let's say you're going to give them a spanking. Well, talk to them about it. Let them know why they're getting a the spanking. Let them know that the spanking is not because I'm mad at you. It's because you just need to be corrected. You know, instead of, you know, going off the handle, beating the crap out of them, you're mad, they're mad, everybody's mad, now the kid's not going to talk to you no more. You know, I mean, and that's what happens more often than not because most parents don't fully equip themselves to deal with situations. Well, and, exactly. And then, and then on the other flip side of that, you know, most kids aren't prepared to talk to their parents. That's true. And right, if, I, if I could piggyback on that, uh, one other thing that I really highly recommend for a lot of people to do is to get a mentor for your child. Because there are just some things that kids will not talk to their parents about. Oh, absolutely. And I can say for my daughter, my oldest daughter, I have a mentor for her. Her mentor is a college graduate. Her mentor is about 21 years old, so it's not a wide age range difference between the two of them. And she can, she has her cell phone, she has her house number, she has every number to reach her. If she has an issue that she may not want to talk to me about, but she may talk to her about. But the great thing about it is is that this mentor is close enough to her to where they can talk and she can feel like she talks in confidence, but she'll also direct it. Well, maybe that is something you need to talk to your mom about or maybe that is something you need to talk to your dad about. She won't 100% take the full reins for everything, but then there are some things that they've shared together, and I highly recommend a mentor because, like I said, that has helped in the long run. There were some things that my daughter was a little bit shy or uncomfortable to talk to me about because she felt that I was old school, but when she discussed it with her mentor, her mentor assured her that, you know, maybe there are some things that your mom may have done before she had you, did you be surprised about? And she actually gave her the go ahead to come talk to me, and she learned a lot. Yeah, awesome, Brian. I think we have another call on the line that we probably want to get to really quick. All right, let's see who they are. Caller from the five seven three area code, chime in. Good evening. Good evening. I was just wanting to. Um, pose this question um, considering uh, the history that we've been observing uh, with the school shootings and high school as well as college. Um, you know, one of the things that crossed my mind is this. We see um, a pattern a lot of times of children who are who have had the opportunity to either be interviewed, most of them end up in suicides, but they have left behind videotapes, for example, in the uh, Virginia Tech shooting. Mm-hmm. There was a videotape left behind. And this um, student, a lot of his complaints was the, the bullies and the mistreatment that he received, you know, um, through the course of his college career leading up to this tragedy. Now, my question is this. You know, what I'm observing here is a lot of uh, children being homeschooled these days. Parents are neglecting to send their kids to public schools. They want to protect them from the world but yet they're not allowing them to develop any kind of self-competency when it comes to leading your own life. And so when they go off to college or go off to high school, a lot of times they're homeschooled in middle school, in elementary, but when they go off to a high school or off to a college, 
they haven't learned how to deal with people or their peers. You know, do you think that's an increasing problem? From my point of view, it looks like a like that could be part of what's leading up to some of this, you know, because the kids don't know how to handle or be effective in a community of peers. Well, let me, I'll go first and Brian can go after me. I really do believe that when you homeschool some of the kids, I think that a lot of the parents are so out of touch with a lot of the things that the kids are dealing with in the high schools and in the colleges that they have absolutely no clue. And because a lot of parents tend to do everything for that child, when I say everything, I mean everything. I agree. Now this child is in a whole world where he feels like he's a small fish and everybody else is just trampling all over him. And and he and, and when it's time to stand up to oppositions, he can't do it. He don't know how to do it. Mm-hmm. And the first thing that he says is, "I have to get even. I can't. I can't. They can't process what's going on because they've never had to deal with it before. It could be something really, really minor." It, it, it could be something like an embarrassing moment. Something happened, mm-hmm. and that person just flip out because they can't handle it. And I, I absolutely uh, agree. You know, and leading up to that situation, a lot of times this is what happens. You know, you have a child that doesn't know how to how to make friends, for lack of better terms, who doesn't know how to fit in. You know, and so their their odd you know portrayal of who they are. You know, them sticking out like a sore thumb so to speak, you know, a lot of times is what, you know, leads to children noticing them. Children notice things that are different. Children notice notice people that are different. You know, it's not ironic that in elementary you have your, your biggest group of bullies in elementary school because they recognize people who are different right away, even in elementary. You know, and so when you when you haven't learned how to fit into society, when you haven't learned how to, how to uh, just blend in, you know, a lot of times, you know, you're picked out you know, and you're picked on. And by no means, you know, does that give anybody any means to do what they're doing because, you know, you, y'all know who I am. You know, you know I preach the word of God. You know, I believe in, you know, all that. You know, I do believe this, that we need to, you know, uh, reassess, you know, uh, the homeschooling, homeschooling criteria. You know, if we're going to allow parents to keep their kids home and homeschool them, there needs to be a certain level of hours that has to be reached, you know, in public communication. You know, these kids need more than just the book knowledge. You know, schooling isn't just book knowledge. One thing that I learned about going to college is, you know, yes, I got my degree, you know, I, did, I did my work, but besides that, one of the biggest factors that helped me in this world was knowing how to deal with people, you know, being able to make decisions in college. You know, college, the, the, the teacher in college, you know, was experience. You know, I, I want to chime in on that. I I tend to kind of agree with you and Greg, but I think also you have to remember that in the situation with the uh, the young man with the Illinois Northern Illinois shootings and the young man with the Virginia Tech shootings, both of these individuals were, you know, dealing with mental illness, Mm -hmm. and that's not necessarily a consequence of them being homeschooled or anything like that. You know, they had a they had a a, a disease. They had a problem, you know, and they chose not to take their medication. You know, they made that conscious choice, and so the consequences that we had to see, and uh, those people who lost their lives and who were injured had to deal with, were results of them not wanting to, you know, take their medication, knowing that they had a problem. You know, but to also talk about the the issue with homeschools. Now, me personally, I would prefer homeschooling for children because if you have, when children have to go and and deal with the vicious things that go on in a regular public school and the things that are allowed in public schools. See, my my personal position on public schools is that we need to do a better job in making sure that the public schools are the safest places for children to learn. My kids pick up more trash and garbage that they bring home and I have to deprogram them on from public schools than from anywhere else. Absolutely. You know, 
You know, Absolutely. I mean, I, I look at my my little nieces and nephews, and everybody knows how to do, and even my kids, everybody knows how to do the soldier boy dance, and mm-hmm. they know the whole song, and they say, well, the teacher sing it with us, and I'm thinking, are you kidding me? <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I, I'll, I'll say this. I'll say this. When that if if that student that's in the public schools, or that student that's being homeschooled. They graduate from college. If you think public school is bad, wait till they walk in that corporate office. You're talking about some dirty games. You're talking about some nasty, nasty tactics that's happening. It gets (laughs) ugly. I mean, all of us are grown, and we know how the games can be played at work. In college, they they teach you how to get a job, but they can't teach you how to keep one. Mm-hmm. Because of the games, because of the dirty games, mm-hmm. and, and I agree, uh, homeschool is good for some people, right? But mm-hmm. the world, you can't be protected from it. Absolutely, it's just, it's just it's it is what it is. Every right. everybody right. is not uh, the same, and and some people, uh, some of the kids mature when they're homeschooled. I think that, uh, that that's for some kids, not for all. I don't think, but. I really do believe that kids that are going to the public schools, uh, it, it's a bad thing. It, it really is. It's a bad situation. And you know, Greg, I want to. I don't even I know how you stop something. it. I want to add something. The other thing that that is good about being homeschooled is that those kids form a bond with their parents. Mm-hmm. You see, not you know, and it's not that they don't get to see the world as it is. Mm-hmm. But they still form that bond with their parents that they wouldn't have if they were gone for seven hours a day. You, you know what I mean? Right. And so they become closer to their parents. Sometimes they become too close where they, once they have to leave, they don't know what to do. Right. You know, but they still have that closer bond with their parents. And if that parent is 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 doing it right, if they're, you know, if they're homeschooling their children the way that they that the curriculums provide in the way that the uh, people who have set up the homeschooling guides, if they're doing it the right way, they also introduce their children into other things like extracurricular activities so they can deal with other kids. You You know, know I know some people who have been homeschooled, and, you know, you don't see them during the day, but after school, they're at the park, they're in all the, you know, programs, the after-school programs. You know, I, I know a parent who actually takes their children to the after-school program, but they don't attend the school. Right, right. Because they don't feel that the academia is adequate enough, you know, for their children. Hey, what about now homeschool? It costs money for homeschool. Oh, yeah, it's not cheap. <laughs> because you have to remember one of those parents Somebody's is not going to, to work. Home. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? That's true. Somebody, somebody's got to be home, and somebody's right. got to be paying the bills, and... I think I really do believe you're gonna we're gonna have more people going to that. Mm-hmm. I really do believe that. I, I think it's getting to the point now where, again, I, I, I'll say this: we're we're living in a society right now that's really, really angry and really, really hateful and cruel. And we need to come up with something. We need to reach out some kind of way. Something needs to be done. Some Something needs to happen. You know, Greg, one of the things that I have seen increasingly, and I know it's been a real controversial thing here in Florida, um, the charter schools. You know, there, if you've noticed in the past couple of years, there have been a lot of charter schools that have popped up that are public-private charter schools where they're actually publicly funded, but they're privately run. Right. And a lot of people have said, well, that's just, you know, because most of them have been run by religious institutions, but some have actually been run by businesses and spurned by businesses. And so people have complained about the ones that were run by religious institutions because they said, you know, separation of church and state, blah, 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 blah. I don't like that. I don't want my public dollars to go towards private ventures or go towards religious ventures so forth, you know, but... Some of those schools have actually been very successful in doing what they what they had intended to do, which is take out a lot of the public anguish and aspect of school and make it a safer, cleaner environment where kids don't have to always worry about you know the worst of the worst going on. Right. 
You know, and so you'll see a trend, which is sort of like a paradigm shift, where people are actually going towards taking their kids out of public schools and putting them in charter schools or putting them in private schools and just, foot, you know, footing the bill. You know, they're basically paying twice because they have to pay their money in taxes to the public school, and then they'll pay their additional dollars to a private school. Right. You know, and my daughter, my youngest daughter actually went to a private school for a number of years. And then when we felt that she was able to, you know, assimilate into the public school arena, we sent her to public school. You know, and her transition at first was a little shaky because she wasn't used to it, you know, larger classes. She had more people to deal with, you know. But initially she fit right in and she was she's doing fine. You know, she's still getting – she's not getting her perfect A's like she was, and she's upset about that. But she's still getting her A's and B's. So, you know, I, I think – what we what we did was great, and that she was able to assimilate into the public school. I have, I have a quick question for the caller. Mm-hmm. Uh, caller, you used to be a police officer, and, and I know you've seen a lot. Mm-hmm. How do you think we can stop these killings on the campus? What what method? What would you put into play tomorrow if you had the ability to? Well, if, if I was asked for advice in these situations, first thing I would do is, um, you know, we when 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 children enroll in college, a lot of times, you know, there has to be some kind of screening. You know, the screenings usually include academic. You know, but when there's questions about the um, the history of their mental capacity, that's usually known before they graduate high school. You know, I I also teach school right now and um in the alternative school and and I work hand in hand real close with um, the special ed department. You know, and we know when kids leave the school whether or not they have issues that can lead up, you know, to a mental crisis later on. You know, and so in this evaluation process, you know, they need to be screened up these children so they will be able to give them opportunities for training and, and classes, you know, not, so, not, not, not that they haven't learned what they need to get there, but so they can assess some of those problem situations because every child that is assessed is, is a, diagnosed with a certain type of problem. There are certain things that bother them more than others. And we we know those things when they they leave the high school going to college. You know, and so I believe that the mental aspect of the problem needs to be dealt with more so than the physical. It's not going to help us to put a police officer at every door in the university, but it will help us to to adequately assess, you know, and equip each individual, you know, with what they need mentally. Now, here's and and I don't think that's a bad idea, but here's the problem with that. You'll have a lot of people, especially mental health advocates, who would say that that's almost like um, you're trying to, you know, put them in a box and say, okay, hey, or you're, it's, a, it's like you're profiling them. You know, mm-hmm. you're saying, oh, if you have mental illness, you need to go in, in, in this class. You yeah, know, or, if, we didn't, if we didn't do some, some profiling, we'd have another airplane hijacked, you know, um, already. Yeah. Right, right. And, and and I agree, but you know, when you when you're talking about a situation like this, will that prevent what happened in those two schools? You know, it's no, hard it, to it won't, say. It, I think it'll prevent some things that could happen in the future. You right. know, what has happened has happened, you know, but like I said earlier, you know, one of the things that we do, you know, I, I take a chance, you know, of um being wrong once with one person than I would being wrong with hundreds. Right. You know, I'll make the mistake, you know, and, and pull you out and say, let me, let me, let me pat you down, you know, rather than not do that and let you go in there and shoot a hundred people. Right. Right. And I understand that. You know, it's just, it's my contention that you will have more people upset with that method than would be if you said, okay, if we see, if we see a pattern, then we'll deal with it. Versus saying, let's check everybody now. Because see, you still have some that may slip through the cracks, who know Absolutely. the system, you know, who who aren't necessarily, you know, outright mentally disturbed, but they are. You know what I mean? Absolutely. It's like the ones that you know are on medication. You may say, okay, you're on your medication as long as you stay on your meds, you're cool, you know, and then you limit their abilities. But then the one who's not taking the medication, who can beat the system and knows how to beat the system, but is just flat out crazy. You know, you know. So, I, I think it's still a fine line that we walk, and then you also have to remember the the privacy laws. You know, you can't just call someone out and say, "Hey, you know, 
Because then what comes next? I think what happens is you open up a Pandora's box. Now do you say, okay, everybody's going to get screened for mental illness. Also, if you have any health-related issues, you need to be screened for all of those. Oh, and if you're HIV positive, then everybody needs to know you need to be screened for that. You see what I mean? Yeah. And, and, it's not a, and it's not a matter of everybody knowing. Everything done is done, you know, in a form. Right. Right. Well, let me say this. Let me say this. We have about 20 seconds left. Uh, we, we've, we've gone over a lot of material, we've, we, and I think we've come up with some, some good solutions. And I thank everybody for calling and listening in. But please join us Wednesday night. We have uh, jazz artist Jimmy Summers, 9 p.m. Wednesday night. God bless. Good night. Good night. Blog Talk Radio. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.